0: Hello, and welcome to the Netrunner Quest. I am your host, Confess, coming to you from the recording studio in the Netrunner Quest branch office. Uh, so we just re- finished recording a great cast, uh, with one minor exception. Uh, I had the input muted for the first ten minutes, uh, so we're, we're going to clean that up right now a little bit. Uh, our panel night was a great one, uh, featured Ocelet, Kevin Tame, myself, and our special guest Simon Moon, a.k.a. the Duke of Scoops. Uh, Kenny. Name redacted. And it was really great having him on the cast. I uh, thought it was a good conversation. So I'm going to edit in a little bit of our homework discussion. Uh, and then right after that, we will pick up where the stream was. So please enjoy. We had the homework from Telassian last time uh, talking about uh, doing some coach play. So, so.
1: Yeah, either playing with a coach or playing against a friend and um, taking yeah, time yeah. to stop and talk through.
0: I haven't had a great chance to do that, uh, but I have been spectating a lot, which is always what I do. But, uh, Laura, did you have any chance to get that done?
1: Yeah. So, I think right after, like, that same evening, um, we had our chat with Russell, um, who was an amazing guest, by the way, and we really enjoyed meeting him and having him on our show, and um, I played some Argus games with my husband, kind of looking over my shoulder and and coaching me, telling me what to do. Um, it was really, I mean, for one thing, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was more fun than playing Netrunner against my husband, where sometimes one of us might get grumpy. Um, and um, I really learned a lot. Like he's played a lot of Argus, and I never have. So, um, kind of having him talk me through kind of how you look how you analyze your hand, what you do the first few turns um, it, it was really eye opening so I um, I highly recommend that if you haven't done it before. That's awesome. And Kevin, I know you do that some on your your channel, right? play with the coach yeah, Yes kind of your channel
2: My channel is all about like my own so- the reason I started my channel anyways was to force myself to improve. Right. And it's actually like a really just like good gateway to ask people to, um, you know, hey, do you want to come up and teach me some things? And it forces me to do this kind of over the shoulder experience. Um, I find what's interesting is sometimes we just play the game. What I want to be what I've been thinking about is I want to be more diligent about my coach actually being a coach instead of us just playing together. Right. Like. Um, I think of it like uh, NBA players or something like that. Let's just take, like, uh, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, right? Let's say I'm Michael Jordan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: you are right? Jordan of that runner? So. Sure.
2: Let's just say that temporarily. Well, like, if, like, Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan just went out and, like, were, like, playing with each other, there might be some benefit. But the real benefit is when, like, Michael Jordan's, like, when the coach is off to the side and Michael Jordan is performing – and then like the coach says like hey you should change this thing or hey you should do this thing differently. Oftentimes when I am doing like coaching or like paired up playing, like the person ends up like playing the game with me and so we're like talking about it which has value, don't get me wrong. But what I really want to try and do and push myself is to say okay, <laughs> I'm playing the game and I'm going to talk out loud and then I'm going to make the decision I don't want you to stop me but then afterwards I want to talk about what your thoughts were was it right or wrong right like kind of take them out of the picture a little bit and I think ways that people have done this and Russell kind of alludes to this is recording your game and then getting feedback from people that naturally happens to me when I record my reflections and then people either comment to me um, and then I'm like oh yeah I should have totally done that differently but being more uh, what's the word uh, intentional about having someone like do that in my coaching session. So maybe I might have a talk with Jonas cause he's my main coach and be like, Hey, should we like, maybe you step back a little bit. Excellent. Anyway, so that's, that's what, what I've been thinking about.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you both for rehashing that so that I can make something happen. <laughs> uh, so everyone uh, in that's watching us, uh, thanks for putting up with my issues. Uh, you should now be able to hear us. Uh, we had some nice commentary for the last, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes. Uh, go listen to the podcast.
2: Oh, it wasn't playing <laughs> to the stream. Oh, I got you.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Professionals. Hello, stream. I, I, I am finding a way to make this Scoopscast the most professional <laughs> podcast there is.
3: <laughs> you know, that—that that is the ideal way to be the best, is through everyone else doing worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit, you know... I'm a, it's like the general life advice: the easiest way to meet your expectations is to lower them. To, to, I like I'm to live big, by that. I'm a big fan <laughs> of that one. So,
2: so that's up with our homework. Should we move on to uh, Laura, uh, your triumphant victory in the soccer five, the cat, so, the STEM hack online cash refresh tournament number five? Congratulations!
1: I, I didn't put that in that line. We don't have to talk. <laughs> no, we do have to talk about that's that. That's an important I thing. You a
0: parade. <laughs>
3: You played you played the Alem Opus deck, right?
1: I did. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't that, that good, but my Really
0: I don't, I don't believe you. That deck seems nuts. <laughs> wait, wait. You're telling me that it might be fine for a soccer six and you're saying it's not that
2: good? <laughs> it's got a lot of moving parts.
0: I don't that deck's pretty good in
3: real net runner. I don't, I don't I don't see how how you get a better runner deck than that in whatever cash uh whatever Cards are legal in Cash Refresh.
1: Yeah. it, got, it yeah. I think it got better because land is there. Wait, were you doing this with a monolith deck? <laughs> yeah. you, you were pretty skeptical, Kevin.
2: <laughs> I was very skeptical.
3: I think the monolith deck is real. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think in general, runners are kind of weak in Cash Refresh. Um, so my, my corp deck went undefeated, so that helped. Um, what was
3: your corp deck?
1: Ag Infusion. Um, okay. Like a, a spiky punitive ag infusion, and that works pretty well.
0: Is
3: Excalibur legal?
0: No, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> so you were on something the first round that was different, weren't you? And then uh, you yeah, changed over to first round I
1: was on Ginger Grid, and it wasn't worth it. So <laughs> oh.
0: you you won on talent, not on deck. But,
1: <laughs> no, I think the ag infusion deck was really good for cash refresh. I have tried it in regular and adjust yeah. in some not
2: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, corps are just incredibly strong, I think, in cash refresh. Like, Runner is just... I feel like you kind of have to almost cheese into your win a lot of times, it felt like to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. R- real quick, this is the one One of the things I think you do, Laura. Like, if anybody here is listening and cares about cash refresh. Uh, so the, I watch a lot of Laura's gameplay, and a lot of it, if it's in competitive lobby... Can I, can I tell your secrets? Sure. Yeah, in competitive <laughs> lobby... It's your uh, your standard at runner decks, but when you're in casual lobby, you're always playing your cash refresh decks against other people's standard decks, and, and like you're you're finding maybe it's cash refresh legal, but it's also it just it's just a good deck. Unlike me, who tries to make a good deck for cash refresh, and I don't win soccer five. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Even practicing cash refresh decks in the casual lobby doesn't work that well because. In the Cash Refresh Tournament, you're playing against strong players on weak decks, and then the
3: Cash <laughs> Refresh of So, um, not sort of, the, sort of the
2: opposite. Anyways, I do want to shout out uh, the Stim. This tournament, though, the soccer tournament, it's like one of the best tournaments. Though it's a lot of fun. Um, it's some of my favorite Netrunner, and just the community around it. Like, just there's a Slack channel, Cash Refresh tourney. And there's a lot of, it's very active, has a lot of people there. So those of you who are interested, I know we're going to be doing Soccer 6 coming up after the next pack release. I would suggest joining it because it's pretty much bigger than a regional. A lot of times there's like 50 plus opponents that you, uh, so there's five rounds to a cut. So it's really good.
1: Yeah, and it's just the nicest little corner on Slack that you'll find. um, Yeah,
2: exactly. Do you mean Football 6?
1: Oh <laughs> 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 it took me forever to figure out what the S O C R acronym even stood for. Um Stimpack Online Cash and Fresh.
2: Another fun thing about it though is that you get to tweak your decks m- between each round. So you can you can look to see what other people are playing and you can be like, oh, they're on i.e. she's on Ag Infusion. I can kind of tech to um, help mitigate my game plan, like of the things that I'm going to be weak against that deck. So, like, yeah. you add a feedback filter or something like that if you're on the uh, creation and control.
0: Yeah, it, it did seem like this last round. Oh, I'm at the if I'm at a higher table, I'm against Shaper, and uh, it was a lot of agon fusion too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: It Mostly of- in the cut, it was Azmari every oh, deck. Azmari,
0: that's right. It was <laughs> ed tech. Yeah.
3: It's just yeah. so fast and so good.
1: Yep. Yeah, you can make a really good Asmari Rush and Cash Refresh. I feel like that's going to be the deck to beat in the next one. But.
3: That makes sense. It's a very powerful ID. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So, again, anyways, Laura, congratulations.
1: Thank you.
2: Yeah, so, uh, Kenny, we've spent all of this time. Now we should properly introduce you. Uh, maybe you can uh, talk about yourself a little bit. Your
0: Cool. Who's she worthy of being on the show? <laughs> um, <laughs> There's lots of things.
3: <laughs> I'm a, I'm a excellent memer. Um, I would say that's one of <laughs> that's one of my one of my my key key contributions to the Netrunner community. But I, I guess I guess I i played in playing Netrunner for like three years, three and a half ish since like the very end of 2014. Um, and I've I've had some success. I won Philadelphia Regional two years ago. I, then I came second at Gen Con. Um, I was top sixteen euros last year, and some other stuff there and there. I once won STEM <laughs> Hack League. Um, yeah, so that's that's some netrunner stuff. And then I've also I've tried to be a good member of the community. Um, I used to like I, I wrote some StimHack Hack articles. I think some of them were pretty good, um, and then I helped I helped for for like. A six-month period. I was really aggressively trying to get people to write stuff, and then I basically—it was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun, and we made some good stuff. Um, so, if any—and I, I still kind of do some of that. If anyone has an idea for a Timac article, um, I know Kevin, you had an amazing one about um, self-improvement, basically. That was very good. And um, there's there's always room for more stuff. I've like stepped back a little bit from. I used to just like aggressively try and get people to write stuff, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun, but and very rewarding. But now I'm I'm just I'm just just here to have some fun and, and make some memes. And then you told me I could plug anything, so I would like to plug the podcast, the source, and specifically Stephen Ball for their their excellent work in having a podcast where they don't talk that much about Netrunner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I really enjoyed um when they talked about like the movies like their favorite yeah. movies of last year um and it was it was fun to just like reflect on the movies that I liked as well mm-hmm. and so I really do like that podcast a lot.
0: I'm yeah. to go back and take another listen because uh I burned out I was on too many podcasts at the same time and I burned mm-hmm. out entirely on pack reviews yeah and I'm that's like, I'm done I'm done with cast for a while.
3: I feel like it's a good thing we can take from Netrunner as we move to like other stuff, is that, you know, I, I assume other some of us are going to go and play other card games, and we'll probably run into each other, which is kind of cool. If you do that, you'll be like, oh hey, you used to play Netrunner too, and I know you.
1: What? Yeah. Which I'm is a fun. always play Netrunner. <laughs> <laughs> I will never stop playing. Netrunner. Yeah,
3: but I think I think we've learned that there's only so many pack reviews you can listen to. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I really like um, with a Dead Channel. That one's really good. I feel like they don't... Do, yeah. they, they just, like, hey, these are our favorite cards, and then they go on to other things. That's, a, I think, a nice way to do yeah.
3: it. Yeah, I, I agree. Or, like... And then, I think they do, like, these are the cards we think are interesting to talk about.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. It's not even the most powerful.
0: Yeah. It helps when um, you have a world champ on a podcast as well, so...
3: Yeah. Definitely. Um. Oh, so, oh, also, I wanted to plug HQ Trivia... Um and everyone should add me as the referral so I get extra lives.
2: <laughs> I'm already I'm already on.
3: Oh okay. So, well, uh, well, how do you well how do you do the Slack group? We we share answers and stuff.
2: Oh really? That's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's it's private because we need to be able to ban people when they get stuff wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe not your person.
3: That's no, okay. <laughs> some
2: uh, of them are really some of them are really hard. What? I thought
1: it was a Netrunner thing and was really surprised when I was at a party and people were talking about it who weren't Netrunner players. That's
3: funny. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine a trivia app just for Netrunner people would that popular.
2: <laughs> r trivia, HQ trivia. Yeah. <laughs> guess what's in their hand.
3: I guess we did have, uh, it was like run, run, don't. Run me or something like that. It was like based off Wait, wait, don't tell me, but it was yeah. a Netrunner one. <laughs> it was very good. I went back and listened to the episodes at some point. And it was they like were basically like, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but we just ran out of like Netrunner trivia content because there's only so much. Again, um, to
0: sing the praise of Dead Channel, the show the games they do in the fourth click usually are a lot of fun.
2: Oh yeah, exactly.
3: I oh, don't know. The last
0: one I listened to, they were talking about flavor text. Yeah. I didn't know a single one. <laughs> and I
3: was like, this this is nonsense. But
0: then when they do the same game with art instead of Philly Vertex. And they try to describe the art to each other. And it is <laughs> it is terrible. Do
3: right, that does that <laughs> but does
0: sound fun. It, it's fun. So, th- Kenny, thank you for joining us. I... I, I uh, I don't know you that well. Uh, we finally met. I still haven't yeah. play, ever played you. But mm-hmm. uh, I do appreciate your voice in the community now that I've gotten to uh, <laughs> not just read what you say on Slack. Yeah. I like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't to take that one. <laughs> well, I, I hung out in General and I would just uh, watch people talk. And I'm like, this is this is a very ugly part of the internet. So I left General. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I like grew up in a
3: very similar sort of just like was like 15 and went online and was like in chat rooms that were just like similar level of quality and just yeah. like yeah. there's just in a level which I'm not even aware of just like how much shit I can just like filter past and be okay. Re- you know, it's just like you don't see stuff that and it's like <laughs> you basically like have someone who had a normal upbringing and didn't just like spend like five years of their life Inhaling a constant stream of shit into their brain yeah, <laughs> from being way too <laughs> online, um, and it's just they're like, "Oh, how do you read that?" And I was like, "Read what?" I just because you just like filter it out of your head. You're just like, "Oh, I don't want to read that," but I'll come back there late in like five minutes and we'll be talking about something new that I'm actually
0: interested in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 did not mean anything negative, but no, I appreciate <laughs> now, it. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like, man, this is sounding worse. Like, if I could stop talking now, <laughs> that'd be great sorry
3: i it's it's a guilty pleasure of mine is when people are in the mode of like, "Oh wow, I wish I could stop talking and I'm just trying to talk to take back what I said I'm just, i I can't help but egg people on who yeah, say that very
2: cool <laughs> so Kenny, um I'm always interested what the um where people's usernames come from or their screen names uh-huh. so maybe just a quick little uh, understanding of uh where Simon moon comes from
3: Yeah, so it comes from this book called the Illuminatus trilogy which is pretty good. I, I I would it's it's a very interesting read. It has some some interesting stuff in it. I would recommend it. I was basically in college and I needed a new screen name because my old one was from high school and I didn't like it anymore as most people who Cool very kid, nice. twenty
0: four. Yeah, the big boy.
2: <laughs> the big uh, unit, three thousand. Yeah,
0: exactly. God, that was be the first at the same time. Yeah, I think yeah.
2: that I like that one because it's a reference to a Mariners player, is what I'm assuming, because I, I love the Mariners, and it's reference to uh, you know Randy Johnson. Yes. So
3: yeah, that's not what most people get from that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you know, all of the Mariners, they were all very like phallic in their name references. There was Junior, the Bone, the Big Unit, A Rod. All of them at the time. Really? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that derailed us.
3: Yeah, but anyway, I was I was like I had a street re-
1: name from middle school, so some of us, <laughs> some of us never changed it.
3: Yeah, yours yours is good because <laughs> it's not stupid. It's not the big unit three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, uh, Jonas. Yeah, Jonas. Oh, we love
2: Jonas. Jonas. We love Jonas. That's why we're talking about him.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so I just happened to be reading this book at a time, and I there was a character and I called Simon Moon. It was like, this character seems normal. And well, I mean, this character seems fine to be named after. And so I named it that. And I found it had the added side side benefit of being a normal sounding name. So I could people would call me Simon and I could not have to tell them my real name, <laughs> which which was pretty which I actually liked. And then that I was like in the like Skype that predated Slack and people would just call me Simon, and then at Worlds 2014, basically everyone, or 2015, I like, it ended up having a bunch of people know it, and then people started calling me Kenny, and briefly people would be confused, and be like, who is this Kenny? People keep on talking about. (laughs) And then it just sorta, I became a meme, and then now most (laughs) people know who I am, or figure out quickly from context, They think.
1: Well, cool. Um, yeah, well, that yeah. was why I asked how I should introduce you because I think I saw you mention that once. Like, yeah. oh, I picked Simon Moon so that people can <laughs> call me Kenny.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, that that kind of flew the coop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like I like the ability of like the internet to just like have a divorced persona from your own identity. Mm-hmm. I find that nice. And was you know when I was like uh, a teenager and didn't really like talking and was very nervous about who I was um, going online and being able to have like try out an identity and try out like being able to talk and be like oh I can make jokes and people will laugh and think it's funny whereas in like real life I found like the the potential consequences of talking to be really high and it made it really hard for me to talk in real life and so I was able to talk online and then come back and talk in real life once I found that I could you know, I mean, like, again, I was also, like, a teenager, so I said stupid shit, and sometimes people were like, you're an idiot, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or, like, you know, like, whatever. You know, teenagers are stupid.
1: So when you started playing Netrunner, was it easier for you to play on JNet than in real life then, or were you kind of over that?
3: Um, well, when I started, I, I would have started playing Netrunner a lot sooner if JNet was a thing yeah. um, when I started. Uh, I was Octagon, and basically to use Octagon, you kind of needed to have played in-person Netrunner at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, like, bought the set, and it took me, like, a year to actually go to a meetup. Um, I convinced Claire to play with me a couple times. We, we used to play, and I was like, wow, I really like this game, it's a lot of fun. And I would, like, obsessively listen to all the podcasts, but, like, actually going to a, a meetup was pr- very intimidating to me, and I didn't want to do it. Um And finally, I was like, Claire was like, you should just go and like find someone to play with. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and because like you want to play more than I do, and you need to like find someone to play with. And so I went (laughs) to a meetup, and it was enjoyable, and I had fun, and now I'm here. It's great. Outstanding.
2: So, um, you know, we want to move on to. you know the main purpose of netrunner quest is to help us improve um so that's what we wanted to bring you on because of you know you're you're in the community you know the game well yeah. you also have performed very well and we want to kind of get an understanding of you know what are what are some things that you do um you know to improve in netrunner and mm-hmm. specifically around the topic of we were talking about a uh, you know planning how to win
3: yeah yeah so um I'll, I'll say, I want to talk, say one thing quick before I get into how to improve. I really enjoy the process of sort of self improvement and like just iterating and getting better and grinding. And, and like, I really enjoy that. Some people don't, and I would say that's okay. And I, people tend towards like normative and prescriptive judgments about this stuff rather than just sort of like, you know, you should, everyone should really understand why they enjoy the game they play and in, and, you know, for some people, you know, just, you know, at some point in time, basically, I got to the point where I was like, okay, the, the reason I'm losing games is because my decks aren't good enough. And I need to just take the best decks and do that. And that's the only way I'm going to get better. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that will become true for them, except that's a thing that will make the game less enjoyable. And it's important for just like everyone to like stop and think about why do I enjoy the game? And, um, before you know, like basically, everyone, if you play like 40 hours a week and net-deck the best decks, you'll get pretty good, but if, but you might not find that enjoyable. And just before i are sort of talking about, I mean, I, I've listened to a couple of stuff, and I think you guys touched on it some, which is good, but it's important to just like understand why. You, and I think like Sanjay was even like, you know, I, I'm very resistant to getting better, <laughs> I just want to have fun. And, you know, I'm a bit sad, Sanjay's in here, he's a, he's a great guy, mean, he, he was he said. I might have met him at Worlds this year, or maybe, I think it was this year, for the first time. But it might have been last year. And he said, "I really love Scoop's cast, and it was, it, I felt it was very near and dear to me." But, and he's a very funny person.
0: He is. The, the funny thing about Sanjay is he's always he, he likes being part. well, I get the impression he likes being part of the cast. But then he says, "No wait, you guys actually want to get better, <laughs> so you should be on the cast to get the homework." <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it's
2: necessarily true that he, I just think he likes doing it in a different way yeah this is, is yeah. what it is I think like and, and, and I'm speaking for Sanjay and I might be wrong here but like the way I then the, it's it's very much his creativity and deck building yeah and it gets me right like I have played against him when I'm like, whoa, I did not expect that and that totally caught me off guard and I lost because of it right um and and so I think it's in his creativity where he really shines. And that's Mm -hmm. where, like, you know, he wants to practice and get better at doing that, finding those like combos and stuff. And
3: yeah, I I, I like that. Yeah, it's very much a real thing that the deck building and stuff like that is, um, is like, I think, you know, I don't actually enjoy that part of the game that much. Um, I I enjoy playing it a lot. And if, if I like playing different decks, but I don't, I, I, I think I'd be fine just never making a deck and, You know, I actually really enjoy arguing about decks and not (laughs) so much making them. Just get the theory behind them interests me a lot. And just sort of like, you know, especially like arguing about the 49th card is a lot of fun to me. Um, That's way more fun than building the rest of the deck to me. Just sort of like this incredibly granular optimization of just sort of like, okay, what's the value of a pop up window and a pad campaign? And how do we abstract a bunch of stuff to come up with a utility model? to basically figure out the answer to a question that's empirically unknowable um, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not really possible to, like, optimize single... To play enough games to optimize, like, this card versus this card because it would just take so long to do anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you you enjoy the, like, the small, fine tweaking, then is what you're saying. Yeah,
3: I, I enjoyed that a lot because I find that there's a lot of abstract... What I really like about games is the way in which you can create... You have to, like, create models in your head about how the game works and sort of abstractions and try and say, like, okay, I think the game works like this. And you figure out... And then this is actually will lead into what I'm going to talk about in terms of how you plan things. And sort of these models of sort of how you work guide you into how you play and how you build stuff. And that's that's what interests me about games, and that's why I like playing them. And in a sense, it's creating those models that I enjoy, and playing them is sort of a proof of concept. It's like when I win, it's you know I can say like, okay, I ac- my model was correct, and that's what let me win. Um, you know, I, w- mm-hmm. I was I was able to conceptualize the game in a way that let me do the right thing. But it's it's building the model and sort of disproving or proving in my head that's the part of games I really enjoy.
1: Hmm. Mm. that's interesting. Yeah I thought I was surprised when I was talking to you about being on the show and you said you weren't a deck builder since <laughs> like two of the best corp decks right now are ones that you <laughs> published um after King of Subways but yeah you know I consider taking an established deck and tweaking it to make it as good as it can be I consider mm-hmm. that to be deck building
3: I don't know <laughs> Yeah it yeah, to, to me it was sort of you know to take uh curse's rash decisions What's interesting to me is he showed, she showed me the list, or I think Alex White might have showed me the list, and I made the changes, and then a day later he published it, mm-hmm. and I had made the changes basically because I was like, okay, well, here's the theory behind your deck, and here's where why it's weak, and I made a bunch of changes, and then I read his like description of it, and it was like, oh, your theory is exactly what I thought, just based off seeing the list of like how to play this, and I was like, I sent him my changes, and he was basically like, and explained why and he was like yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> um with like we had like one argument about whether or not preemptive was right basically <laughs> uh which i i that's the part that's really enjoyable to me is sort of you know you t- you look at the ctm you know there's a theory behind it and the sort of model of what you're gonna do and why everything's there and i i was like looking at that and it's like okay here's this model and here's the weak points of the model basically in that you know if I think I said the description for TM. you need to have a plan. the runner can have one of three generic plans one they can trash everything and take tags two they can try and trash as much as, pos- as possible or the ideal stuff and clear tags or three um, trash nothing and um, try and beat you where they just let you- all your stuff go and I-, I was like looking at this deck with the Aries it's very hard for them to trash, to trash some stuff, and um, not get tagged, basically. Yeah. And because you don't, but because you don't have QPMs, if they do go tag me, you're way more vulnerable to stuff. And so all the changes I made were to shore up against that plan.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
3: the plan where they let you do whatever with Rashida and calibration testing, you go very fast and team sponsorship, so you're you don't need C source and you can just cut C source because. Previously, C-Source EOI off of like the money from bankers was how you beat someone who didn't trash anything. Um, but because you have this calibration and Rashida and team sponsorship plan, you don't need that anymore.
2: You know, I want to kind of just point out and shout you out here, uh, Kenny, for your deck write-ups because um, of the decks that I've read of yours, I've instantly got up to speed really quickly because of that I remember when you posted the DLR Max deck. I think it was. Was that from Dreamcon? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. Like you laid out really clearly. Like, hey, here's the game plan. Here's what you do. Like this is and, and like into like in basically what you're describing. Like showing the 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 model, if you will. Um, and I find that like tremendously helpful in getting up to speed on a deck quickly. Because when I'm practicing a deck. Oftentimes, I have to figure out those things on my own, and, <laughs> and sometimes I don't see all of them. And then when I'm, like, in a tournament and I face something that I don't see, then, like, it's much more difficult for me. Yeah. So, like, I do appreciate it. So, those of you guys who are deck list publishers, you can <laughs> look at, a, at Kenny for a model for excellent deck write-ups. There's other I... ones that are funny and, like, are good, but, like, I really like how you say, hey, plan one, plan two, plan three. That's really nice.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that is very much how I think of the game, and I'm glad that I'm able. It's very important to me to both be able to create like this model in my head, and also be able to communicate with it with people. And that's sort of they're both proof of success in my mind, both being able to create something that wins, and being able to turn it into words that I can communicate to someone else. Mm -hmm. And that that's sort of what my mental model of success is.
2: So, how does that play into planning out to win this uh, our topic for today?
3: yeah yes <laughs> um so basically um oh, let me see let me see what I wrote um I talked about a bunch of this um oh yeah and you know <laughs> okay, what's my plan to win score seven points great <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. well, how am I gonna you know and that's just that's just not a manageable thing to to think about like at the at the start of your turn it's like great. And so everyone breaks it down into some more manageable chunks. And, you know, there's the low level of, like, okay, this, I'm just trying to, you know, you can think about, like, each turn as a unit, or you can think about, um, like, longer distances. And I, I want to talk about sort of how you think about sort of longer-term goals. You know, what what am I trying to do, and how does that guide what I'm going to do on this turn? Mm-hmm. And I think a good deck for this is um, the deck, the Argus deck I published, Lobster, Lobster Modernism. Oh, and another important note. I think a lot of this planning stuff is a lot more important for the Corp than the Runner, where as the Runner, you can just kind of do stuff and get away with it. Um, Whereas with Corp, you need to have a very concrete plan about what you're going to do and how that's going to lead to an end state of your own victory. And so I think the reason Lobster Modernism is a very good deck um, for for like learning how to plan is that you have two game plans, and you have the you have the 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 kill game plan and the um, scoring game plan, and in some ways these feed into each other, and in other ways they don't. In the sense that it takes a lot of resources to tag someone, and it also takes, and so oftentimes once you commit to tagging to tagging someone, you've committed to trying to kill them, and it, because you know if they float tags they're going to have you know you like play hard hitting news for seven credits and you've played you just spend a bunch of resources and they're going to be like okay i'm just going to flip tags you know if the game is at all close and you aren't just blowing them out you're not going to be you've just taken so much re- you've used so much resources to tag them that you're committing to the killing plan um, in a in a sense the scoring plan is much more able to be converted into the killing plan because they need to spend resources to contest it. But it has a little bit of the same concepts, where, okay, if I spend a bunch of money resing ice on a remote, it makes my tagging plan worse if they don't run it. Um, But sort of how I think of playing Argus in two stages. One, there's the sort of start of the game phase, where what I'm trying to do is kind of play good cards and score some points and score the agendas in my hand and try and get some atlas counters. And I'm going to simplify that for the purpose of what I'm going to talk about to just scoring some atlas counters. Uh, and I think of the game as, bef- as... In the first part of the game, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to get an atlas with one or two counters on it. We'll say in this example, just two counters. Um, <laughs> and and all my, all my thoughts are, okay, I look at my starting hand and I think how does a starting hand turn into an atlas with two counters? And that might be a hand, there might be no atlas, there might be an atlas. And if there's... Um, and then I think about the quickest way in which I can get to an atlas with two counters on it. And so I might say, okay, turn one's going to be score hostile, turn two is going to be install ice, install atlas, advance once. And that's that's a turn three atlas with a counter on it. That's if I hand has hostile and ice in it. Obviously, I can't just... Do the a- install advance with an atlas and um, ice it because then you have no money and you can't score it. Or, uh, but that's that's sort of thinking how I think about it. And then it's, let's so let's say we do like the classic hostile takeover, um, and then install atlas, ice the atlas advance once,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, and then we score it. So on turn at the at the end of turn at the start of turn four, we have um, seven credits. We or er, six credits. We have an atlas with a counter on it, and we have three points. Now, here's where I start to think about how am I gonna, how am I gonna score seven points, or how am I gonna win this game? Um, and, and the reason for that is because, in order to use that atlas counter correctly, you need to have a a coherent plan for what you know, like you can't just use it for a card. You need to say, okay, whatever I'm gonna get it to, you know, it's either gonna commit to the kill plan or it's gonna commit to the scoring plan. Uh, yeah, that
1: makes sense. So because... in that moment, how do you make that decision?
3: Uh, um, so I, I sort of think about, okay, I'm at three points. I have one ice on my remote. I might just... I'm just going to see what I draw, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm going to have both these plans open in my mind. And I'm always going to say... I'm always going to be thinking, oh, I drew, drew a boom and a hard-hitting news and, like, an ice on HQ, now I can commit to the kill plan if they run because I can, you know, Econ Warfare, hard-hitting news them, and now they're forced to float tags and I can protect the boom. Um, and whereas with the scoring plan, it says, okay, you know, you're drawing some cards and you're trying to score them, basically, and you're trying to say, like, okay, you know, if I get to five points, or I if I get to six points, I can just get a hostile takeover and win. Or if I if I get a... Um, or if I if I get an atlas in my hand, I can fetch an audacity and um, score it out of hand, so now I'm just trying to get to five points, or vice versa. And I'm always thinking about sort of what, how am I going to use these counters to score seven points, or how am I going to use these, or how am I going to use these counters to kill them with boom? And this atlas counter, basically, your opponent needs to think about both these plans. So if you don't have an atlas counter, they they can plausibly go tag me, right? And they can just say, okay, I'm going to try and keep you from drawing boom. But if you're an atlas counter, they can't do that. So the attack plan becomes much more viable. But once you use the atlas, that goes off. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining this great. <laughs>
0: no, 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 you
3: are. Is... Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then one of, the, one of the things to keep in mind from this is your plan to victory heavily influences your ice placement. So for an Argus, I haven't... Let's say I draw an ice. Where do I put the ice? Well... First order of business in the early game is scoring an atlas. So the ice goes, your first ice, you're going in the remote. Unless you don't have a way to get an atlas, basically. If you don't have a way to get an atlas, or you don't have any agendas in your hand, or you don't have any way to score points, then it goes in R&D. Because if they run R&D, then they can keep you from drawing agendas, which keeps you from scoring points. And so that's sort of the the order of prioritization. First, you need to be able to execute your game plan, which is score agendas. And you need the remote ice to do that. So your first ice is generally going on the remote. If they have a strong counter plan, like if they have, if if they're freedom, then you can't just let them run HQ. So oftentimes you want to put ice on HQ. Unless like, you know, if you can score an atlas turn to, you know, you can you can go for an atlas, then because they can't trash it out of hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then R&D is you're thinking about your r and ice is, okay, this R&D ice is letting me draw agendas. It's not preventing them from scoring agendas, it's letting you draw agendas. And that's, it fits into your game plan in that way. Um, and it's, it's sort of, and that's a very key concept, is your ice isn't isn't preventing your opponent from executing their game plan, it's allowing you to execute your own game plan.
1: Hmm. I haven't thought about it that way. It makes sense.
2: What's really interesting about this as I'm listening to you talk here is like your understanding of the deck is like beyond sometimes what my understanding of my deck is. <laughs> like you're like by turn 4 I'm I've scored this and I have 7 credits and I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> I'm I'm like I think I might have clicked for credits or drawn or done something like so that to me is like the the number one takeaway is like when you do this, like, plan up front, you should know, like, kind of the trend of where you should be at a certain point. Like, you should know your first four steps, like, first four turns, like, what they should typically play out to be, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and so that's sort of, like, the short-term planning of, like, okay, how many points, you know, that's that's a, the that's a thing you run into is, okay, how many credits do I need to score seven points? Well, I need to be able to res this ice, I need to be able to res this ice on R&D and able, in order to keep them, to draw agendas, and then you count that up and you're like, okay, I'm going to need this many credits. And that can let you know whether you should click for credits or draw cards.
2: Do um, you do that with all your decks? Like, you know, like, do you do that in the mid-game, or do you know just with Lobster Modernism that I'm going to need about 30 credits the whole game. I do it
3: mid game most of the time. It's it's sort of I look at the ice I have and I say okay I, it's going to be this many clicks of advancements it's going to be this many clicks of advancement credits it's going to I need I'm going to need to res at least this ice and this ice and I need this much money to play side games.
1: Well
2: <laughs> so you're like thinking like so this is, like, after, like, turn two or three, you almost, like, pause and be, like, okay... And this is this turning point, right? Like, what mm-hmm. which plan am I going down? Am I going to go for the kill, or am I going to go for the score? And then you just do this calculation, this mental calculation.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it sort of say, okay, I have this... G- you know, I have three points already. I have this G- GFI in hands. Um, what happens if I install advanced, advance it? And I, I sort of say, okay... If they run it, I read this ice. It costs this much, and they end up at this amount of credits. And I can hard hitting news them, even if I do or don't have hard hitting news. And I say, okay, that's that's a thing I can do. And maybe it's from their end. It's this percent NGO. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah.
2: What I really like about this is like the specificity that you're getting into and like just how detailed it is. Oftentimes what I do is I like the way I look at this is, you know, like your high level strategy game plan versus like the tactics you're taking to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. And I oftentimes kind of feel my way through that. I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to go this way or (laughs) I feel like I should do this. And what you're kind of saying is, no, just calculate it all out and figure it out. Solve the puzzle.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, like, easy to say, okay, know how much credits it's going to take, and, like, but, but it's, it's both, like, okay, I need these, this set of cards, and, like, this many credits to do stuff, but it, it can, like, it informs your decisions, you know, if you know how many credits it's going to take, it, it's going to take you to score, and you don't have that money, then you click for credits, mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you need a certain card, you draw cards, yeah. um, and you, ha- if you have enough money, and you're just trying to draw cards before they can draw an answer to this to your scoring remote or whatever, or clear tags or whatever. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, and then so one one thing I want to talk about was for like the killing plan. Okay, let's let's say you both have eight. Let's say the runner has seven credits, and you have eight credits in a hard hitting news. And um, oftentimes it can be, you know, oftentimes you just want to people will just want to snap the hard-hitting news here. And you really have to think about, like, the board state. Okay, what are my ice? You know, if I have, like, a res mausoleum and I'm on R&D and HQ, score using the hard-hitting news becomes worse because, okay, now they just start running through this, and, um, you know, you gain a credit, and they take a net damage, and they can trash your booms. But if you have, like, an archer on R&D... Then you can you can get them with all these tags, and they kind of got to clear the tags because they can't plausibly go tag me because they're not going to be able to. They're not going. You're going to be able to draw boom bef- before they can steal enough agendas off R and D or or prevent you from drawing boom,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: sort of stuff like that. Of okay, you know your game plan for hard hitting news is two parts. It's one, um, you know, okay, if I hard hitting news them, are they going to clear tags or float tags, and in order to, if they're going to float tags, how do I draw boom and kill them? And if the answer is they can keep you off of boom, you generally don't want a hard hitting news because if they're playing correctly, they're going to float tags. But it becomes a lot better. You know, hard hitting news, you know, obviously, most of the time, if they have two credits, you just hard hitting news them because it's such a great value um, mm-hmm. for three credits in a card. But, you know, when you have higher numbers, it becomes a lot closer
2: higher closer to like when you're closer to eight is what you're saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. Or even like 10, like you know, sometimes that's that's where it gets even trickier, but it, it really depends on the board state. And sort of to know whether or not it's correct to do that, you need to have an understanding of what is your plan to draw into boom. How are you gonna prevent them from trashing boom? And your plan might be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the I'm gonna archer away my GFI off on R and D, and that's gonna let me draw into Boom. And if I draw any agendas, how am I gonna solve that? Um mm-hmm. you sort of need to think about, okay, I'm gonna draw, you know, my I have two booms in my deck, I have an insulting visit. So that's that's three that's three that's three cards that are boom. And if I raise Archer and R and D, you know, they can't get in, you know, in your in your model. Okay, how quickly? you know, how likely am I to draw enough agendas for them to steal them from HQ, or let's suppose I have a scoring remote, you know, maybe I can put the agendas in the scoring remote, and you sort of need to think about which of these is going to happen faster, and that can sort of gives you a percent to win, um, and to know how good this line is. Exactly. And, and and it's very complicated, because Netrun is a very complicated game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I
1: think that when I'm playing Argus, or a deck that has um, two different win conditions, I feel like I want to hold on to both possibilities as long as possible, like I don't want to make that committing move that like kind of writes off either the score plan or the the kill plan because then I feel like I'm, you know, working myself into a corner. And I think that's
3: very correct, um, generally, generally you don't want to commit unless you can know you su- can succeed, or, and oftentimes um, the scoring plan is way better at setting up the kill plan because you force them into a taxi remote, which makes the hardening news of way better value. Right. Yeah.
1: So how will this change once it's high-profile target instead of boom and it can't be trashed?
3: <laughs> it, does, it changes things a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you play a high-profile target because I think, you know, the, the ability of boom to be trashed is the most relevant part, and yeah. they just and. People, people sometimes will float one tag against you, but it turns out all the resources, which is generally not great um, from their perspective. You know, resources are pretty valuable right now. And I guess you can kind of float two tags against you, but if you're doing that, then Argus's ability becomes pretty relevant. Um, because, you know, if you get down to three cards, you die to it. So so it, it sort of, you know, it, it makes it makes it makes floating two tags better. <laughs> <laughs> and three tags worse.
1: Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. I think you play it just because, you know, it makes it so much easier to, like, okay, I have this many agendas in my deck and I have three boom, I have three hype overall targets. So if they go tag me, I, you know, you can think about, like, okay, there's six agendas. They're on three points. They need to steal, you know, two of them or whatever to win. And I just need to draw one of these, so I'm like a, you know, I'm like a seventy percent favorite or whatever. I mean, you don't need to put numbers on these. <laughs> I, I I don't. I like, I will guess numbers and then do the actual calculation a lot just to get good at estimating. Um, and I think I think some a couple of people do do like the full on calculation of like, you know, like three choose thirty. But if you just, if you just like. Put it in a calculator if you guess and put things into a calculator a lot of times your probability you'll get pretty good at it is my experience mm-hmm. Um, you'll just get in the ballpark which is good enough for you just need to have an idea of like you know like is this closer to 10% or 50% or 90% or 1% like yeah. mm-hmm. Makes sense. is like good enough for for getting close to right
1: yeah, yeah. Do you have, like, one other deck that you could maybe give a, a shorter yeah, like, yeah. example of, of?
3: how? So, so CTM's our- a very good deck for, like, thinking about how to win, and there's two reasons for that. Um, but both of these are very, I mean, both of these are very good examples for long-term planning, as opposed you can think of, like, something like Palana, and it's like, I know turn one what my plan is to win. It's score you say score you say score a three-pointer. Um. <laughs> Um and everything is like pretty linear <laughs> from mm-hmm. there. Um, you just sort of like a bunch of like you're just balancing money and like, okay, like I can res this ice because you know, it puts it makes me it doesn't make me any slower to my scoring plan or I can't res this ice because if I res this toll booth, it's gonna take me two turns longer to score out. Um and then they're gonna get that many extra accesses. And that's some sort of like you know, it's a little bit of long term planning, but that's there, and it's, it's more linear, which makes it less interesting. <laughs> but mm-hmm. CTM is good because you have a bunch of one-pointers, you have a bunch of different pointed agendas, um, you know, there's a bunch of different plans they can go against. They might have tags, they might not have tags. You also have DBS, which is a very important um, card for planning. Because yeah. with, with what I was talking about with sort of drawing boom and like, you're like, okay, I'm trying to draw boom before they score many agendas. DBS lets you just, like, it has this, you have this one option where you can sit there with a DBS running, and you take three credits every turn, and you're like, I just need to draw psychographics before they draw they steal my points, and if DBS is running, I just never want to draw cards because I can just put all my ice in R&D, and I can put, like, a resistor on the DBS, and they can never... You know they can never access agendas out of HQ, and I, I can I can get the psychographics very fast. And so that's a very, you know, that's a that's a very important plan to to Ctm is, okay. Dbs is very you know knowing what to dbs is a function of, okay, what is my plan? You know, what, you know, he's so like, okay, do I need this data Raven? You know, is does my plan involving install advanced, just forcing them to get tags or. Or am I just going to get a bunch of assets? And so it's sort of your, your long-term plan of, okay, I'm going to score an Aries, an Aries, a Beal and a GFI. You know, that might be your plan. Or I'm going to score. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and wait until I draw my 115 minutes and score it.
2: <laughs> so are you saying the DBS adds value because of the... I mean, the DBS has value for both draw and filter. But mm-hmm. in this case, are you talking about the filter ability?
3: Yeah, yeah. So the the filter ability is extremely powerful. Um, Basically, in that you can never draw an agenda if you just click for credits. I mean, you can, you can, you can, you get like what? You're like four percent to draw two agendas or something most of the time. But basically, it lets you never draw agendas, and so you can just click for credits with a DPS going, and you can come up with a plan. You can come up with a pretty good plan to win based off that. Like, okay, given. Given fifteen turns, how do I guarantee you'd score an agenda?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Kinda.
3: Um, that's why DBS is very good for planning because it's a very like do nothing, let DBS run, click for credits is a is a strong plan. That's a lot of how you beat the maxes. You just <laughs> never <laughs> You just never have you just like play a bunch of value cards, get some money, play some ice. Let a DBS run and, and have like calibration testing in the remote that's waiting for you to draw an agenda. That's
1: why you STEM hack those DBSs. <laughs>
3: <Yep>. <laughs> Get rid of those things.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: can't I guess you there... a question. Um, so you said this, this planning topic, as you're considering it, mostly applies to playing corp. Mm-hmm. But if you're running and you're thinking about the corpse plan. How do you how do you run, kind of in light of trying to analyze what the corpse plan is?
3: Yeah, so that's that's that is sort of exactly how I conceptualize why this is important for the runner. Outside of like DLR, um, which ha- was a, was a very much like an extremely planning heavy deck from the runner's perspective of like okay, you know, answering the question of should I DLR them or do something else relied on. Very careful planning, <laughs> basically, or like, should I run archives? And it was all informed, based off knowing, okay, what's my what's my exact line to victory? Like, is, is okay. that indicative
2: of just like combo decks in a way? Um, like for example, counter surveillance kind of feels that way as well.
3: Counter surveillance is different in that you just kind of play the cards you draw. Um, DLR max, like counter surveillance, you're just trying to like. Do your counter surveillance thing, and you're interfering with their game plan a little bit. It, like things only get better for you when counter surveillance as the game goes along. M- Mars yeah. for Martian only gets worth more money, mm-hmm. and counter surveillance only seems more cards. So you're you're more linear in that regard. Whereas like DLR Max, you're only ever you know you're only ever a million five cards. Um, and that's the most you can do in a turn. <laughs> hmm. And so your your game plan you don't you don't like if you stall, if you spend all your resources not milling cards and instead interfering with their game plan, you haven't milled any cards. Whereas with counter surveillance max, you've made your you've seen four extra cards basically. Mm. Or like you've seen like six extra cards if you have two God of Wars, for example. Yeah. Um, and so it makes the, it makes the, it makes the, your, your scaling works differently. Um, anyway, so yeah, back to the, enough reminiscing about the, the wonder days of DLR. (laughs) Um, I miss it a lot. I do. I never enjoyed it.
2: I thought it was pretty fun.
3: Yeah.
1: It was. It was. I it. Yeah, I feel like I got shamed off of it pretty quickly. I feel like back then I was more willing to like, oh, you don't want me to play this deck? Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then I just went like siphon wizard, and that was just as fun.
3: Yeah. Oh, that was so much less fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, it, it, I mean, I mean, Max is already just like, uh Oh. Anyway, I miss it so much. It was. It was so planning intensive of. Because all your clicks were so... Your plans were so close, like, that it was very hard to figure out which one was better. And I really liked that, like, 5% optimization problem.
2: (laughs) It basically (laughs) speaks to the way you like to play Netrunner, it sounds like.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, so I I think of, like, as a runner, thinking about the corpse game plan informs um, how you play. And the bigger thing is what they're doing Inform, You know, like, if you understand their game plan... You can figure out what their hand is based on what they're doing, um. in a sense. In, in a sense, like, oh, hey, they didn't ice. They, they like, okay, they've just set up R&D and the remote, and they're are doing whatever. Um, and you can, like, figure out what ice is based off, like, okay, if I know what I plan is, they would put the archer there or whatever, and stuff like that. Um, so that's sort of the way I think about it, and it's like, okay. You know, their plan, they're going to have enough money to batty Excalibur me in three turns, and that's when they're going to try and score, so I have five turns, and then they'll score their next Nisei two turns after that, and I need to keep them from drawing Nisei because that's going to keep them from exiting this plan, and I need to, like, or I need to, like, turntable this by that time, mm-hmm. and sort of, I'm, I'm always thinking about, okay, what is their plan to win, and how do I interfere with it, in a sense, and or like how much time do i have to access cards and okay if i have four turns before they score out then what's you know with like four turns to go you can figure out okay in this turn i'll access this many fresh cards and next turn i'll just take money off this liberated Then the turn after that i'll be able to access four cards or stuff like that and if you think about it as sort of okay they're four turns from victory because they can install advance advance score Nisei, hedge fund, install advance, advance, and then and then score, and you can't really interfere with that plan, where, like, you've seen, like, a fast track or whatever, so you know they can do this, um, then you can think of, like, okay, how do I get the maximum number accesses? Or how many terms is, is this game going to go? Is it worth it to play this data full-in? Is it worth it to play this daily cast? Stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
2: So then, moving... So, you know, thanks for sharing this topic. Like, how can we apply this into our our netrunner lives? What are uh, what is some, some good homework for
3: us? So I would say, um, next time you're playing a deck, don't think. Bef- you should next time. What do you want? What I want everyone to be able to do is the next time you go to game point, I want you to have already knowed how you're gonna score your last agenda. So let's say you're playing Argus when you're on four points. Figure out not just how you're going to get to five points and then seven points or six points and then seven points, but figure out don't don't wait until you're on five points or you're seven. But figure out on three or when you're on four and just play Argus and figure and at least once just be able to say okay, um, and you know it might take. I I mean I've always thought about this game this way so there's a certain extent in which, like, I, I'm not sure how to, like, say, this is how you learn how to do this.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, you know, it's just how I've always thought about everything whenever I play games. It's just sort of breaking it down into manageable chunks and sort of trying to, you know, make, make plans, basically. But to say... But I think the best way to do it is to... You, one of two things. One, play Argus, get two Alice counters on an Argus, and when you use the atlas counter, know the first atlas counter, say, this is how I'm going to win, whether it's boom, or whether it's the sequence, the, all, the, rest of the, the entire last of the agendas you're going to score, and just confirm that you did it correctly. Um, so that's 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 one option of your homework assignment. The second is just say, okay, before you scored your last two agendas, know how you're going to score both of them. And just... At some point in time, say, this is how I'm going to score my last two agendas, and then do it.
2: Okay. Cool, I like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give this a try. Like, I, I hadn't really, you know, thought of the, the, um, you know, how you've broken this out, and how there's, like, this kind of decision tree that happens, like, around turn four or whatever, so. yeah.
1: Yeah, I've really been struggling the past few days on Corp side. I feel like I've hardly won any Corp games at all. So, I really appreciate that that's what we focused on today. <laughs> really. Yeah. Hopefully it'll help.
3: <laughs> I usually go between periods where I like Corp and where I like runner more. Right now I like Corp a lot more.
2: It's funny for me. It's generally I play on average two games, two Corp games to every runner game. Mm-hmm. Just because I find, um, I, I just feel like it's the thing I need to practice the most, and it probably speaks to this idea of planning. Whereas mm-hmm. in with runner, I feel like I can just gut into th- some things and be like, and y- you're you're often playing to your outs a lot of times, right? You're like, oh, well, this is my best option right now, and if I win, I win, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and whereas in run like corp, I think you can really architect it, is what you're saying here.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's r- runner. Runner is fun, but I think Corp is really the genius of Netrunner, um, and I think when Netrunner at its best is when they have interesting Corp decks. You can just sort of, sort of value Runner and be like, okay, I can get access for this many credits or whatever. And but like to really make now, when I really enjoy Runner the most is when I playing Runners, you really need to understand the Corp's game plan.
1: Yeah. And right now the field for corpse is kind of wide open, I feel like. Um, yeah. Nobody really knows what's good. So there's a lot of interesting interesting games out there.
2: Well, there's some really good runners.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's some kind of
0: some so with me. Val's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. I'm sick. <laughs> yes, you you
3: <laughs> It's okay.
2: <laughs> well, anyways, I'm gonna definitely take you up on this uh this uh this plan in this this homework there's also a note here in the notes that i kind of want to call out it says helps stop eric c i'm thinking that's eric uh kaoli, kaoli.
1: do we need to help stop
2: that? eric help stop eric c from bullying me is he yeah. bullying you
3: he's always <laughs> bullying me he's, <laughs> he's always saying stuff mean to me and then deleting it and be like i didn't say anything
2: <laughs> so he posts the general and then like says blah, blah 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 and then deletes it
3: yeah yeah next time you see someone being like wow eric I can't believe you deleted that. That's what happens. He was just like, Kenny's stupid. And the community needs to know about this menace.
0: Well, I guess I don't see it because I stay out of general. Sorry.
3: Yeah. It's terrible. I guess since, since this is not scoops cast, um, for, for anyone who's not aware, Eric, Eric, Eric Kaoli is a friend of mine. Um, He's an incredibly nice person who we've just been mean to each other for like two years, and I really have no idea how it started because he's <laughs> a very nice person and has like i have never he's like nice to everyone else, and he <laughs> would just I I and like I would like jokingly be mean with people or like insult them if I feel like they're gonna be okay with it, and I have no idea how I learned Eric was like this, but he does it back to me, and so that, that's that's our story. Oh, I thought it was you you're
2: about to say it. I was like, is this a little bit of Stockholm syndrome going on right here? You're <laughs> like you're defending your bully.
3: <laughs> we both have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, uh Kenny, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, this, this has been fun. really really good and like I haven't thought of the game this way and the thing is is I've read your deck write-ups and they've helped me so much and I just actually hadn't looked at it that way, especially with the Corp. Um <laughs> and so I'm really excited about Learning this and taking this on and thinking about it a lot more. So I'm thank a, you so much.
3: I'm gl- I'm glad it was helpful. I had like, I was I was worried. I and I'm still not convinced I did a great job of explaining anything. But because <laughs> because to me it's sort of this is how I've always thought about like how I play netrunner, and I'm aware that I don't know how to teach it in in a sense. Like I can just sort of explain what I do. But I I don't know how to be like, and this is how you get like this, is just sort of, I've played a lot of games, and this is how I've always approached games.
1: Yeah, I think you broke it down well, and I think we kind of have to think that way while we play in order to kind of let it sink in. Yeah. Let me know.
3: I hope you guys do your homework, and I can listen, and I can tune in next week and be like, wow, that guy was a fraud. I didn't learn
0: anything. Just... I haven't even made it to uh, four points since. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, quite... I just think I think the value of just understanding those first turns, like, um, is really good. Just being like, and then understanding where the decision points lie, like that in itself is tremendous, like tremendously important. Not necessarily the ability to make the decision, like that comes, but I think being able to know that you actually have to make a decision is important.
1: <laughs> Not just, like, stumbling through each game. Yeah, yeah exactly,
2: because yeah. sometimes I don't realize, like, I have to actually, this is a decision point for me, I forget that that's a thing, like, mm-hmm. I sometimes just, oh, this is the way I'm going, because I think this is the right way, <laughs> but what you're saying is, like, actually stopping back, t- stepping back and thinking about it, which I really like.
0: Yeah. That's was very good. I, I appreciate, I-, I learned a lot tonight, so thank you. Cool. Yeah.
3: I'm glad I'm to hear it. Do you guys have any any more questions for me? Anything you want I don't, to, I don't know. I feel like I've listened to this and I've talked more than the other host, and now I feel guilty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think You've, Kevin talked a lot when like he hosted the topic okay. too.
3: Oh, I talked
2: the entire time. So <laughs> that's
0: funny. I, I, um, think uh, I think it's Laura yes, and I awesome. are less good at interrupting than Dan is. Is what it boils down to.
3: <laughs> yeah, Dan. Dan is Dan originally from Philadelphia too. He's from Maryland. Yeah. He's uh, from Maryland. Okay, close enough. I'm from the Philadelphia area, and everyone I grew up with is rude and interrupts each other. And sometimes when I, I guess, are you from Delaware originally? I'm
0: from oh, yeah. uh,
3: Virginia, so we we are the. We you guys, you guys seem people. too nice to be from Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the Seattle area, so yeah. I'm a transplant it, to these. Everyone,
3: everyone every I, every I grew up with was like Dan Dargenia, who just yelled loudly, and and we all I was like so used to that growing up. And then I moved to the Midwest, and I had to like learn how to like not be like that and then I came back to New York City and I was like everyone's rude this is amazing
2: the East <laughs> Coast is rude let's be honest
3: yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god when you go to like the grocery store and someone's like asking you how your day is it's, it's <laughs> hell
0: <laughs> so you say the East Coast you mean like DC to Boston because not the south not yeah the south not mid-atlantic
2: Mid-Atlantic up. I lived in the Midwest as well. It's very
3: nice. Very nice. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... And then I came to New York and someone just gave me my stuff and didn't talk to me. I was like... I forgot how much I missed this. Excellent.
2: Well, anyways, thank you so much for coming. And if if there's any other final thoughts from anyone else, I don't think we have any.
0: No, I like this... I'm not trying to say like this has crystallized uh, some of the thinking that I have with uh, my NEH deck uh, in particular into as to some things I've n- realized I've done or at least I was doing during King of Subways is how do I how do I finish this game uh, and really crystallized uh, how to think about it and the the points of the game to think about it so uh, I appreciate it.
3: cool cool yeah
0: I'm glad to hear this is
3: useful
2: so. We are not going to say always keep whatever running. <laughs> you <just did> it. <laughs> so okay, I'll do it. I'll do it, Laura. It's really hard for us when Dan's not here to like end the podcast because he has this like catchphrase, and yeah, so he just ends
3: it. He's like, he's great about, about it. Dan.
2: So yeah. I'm gonna do it right now. Okay, like hey, okay. Thank you very much for watching, and always be running. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good enough? That was great.
0: Oh, man, I forgot to give Russell a shout-out. Um, oh, we did. We could, well, we may not have recorded it, but we gave him a shout-out. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, if, you, if you record, say that he's a wonderful person, and I'm glad he's part of the Netrunner community, and um, it was nice having him stay with me, and I'll deny that I ever said this.
0: Well, <laughs> I am already recording this part of it, so it's has been recorded, ah, so you so busted. it. <laughs> I played the fifth.